on Drive Time. Yes, indeed, as the fingers run up and down the cords of the Oud, it tells us it's time for our weekly Middle East report. Uh, it's done in conjunct- conjunction with the Middle East Monitor. Uh, you can get them www.middleeastmonitor.com. Twitter handle is at Middle East MNT. What's on the menu? United States to restore more than $200 million in aid to Palestine. Jordan issues a gag order on news relating to Prince Hamza. United States lifts sanctions off the International Criminal Court. Okay. Online for comment is political analyst at the Middle East Monitor, Nasim Ahmed. Nasim, assalamu alaikum. We're doing well, and it's yet another week, yet another week of you, of views, news, and everything. Um, United States, it says, restoring more than two hundred million dollars in aid to Palestine. Of course, this is money that Palestine was owed in the first place, and will probably uh, also go to paying the salaries of people in Palestine who haven't received any money because of President Trump. That's right, yes. So um, Biden is seeking to uh, reverse many of the Trump-era policies, um, not just on Palestine, on a number of issues. Um, This one in particular uh, has been very damaging for Palestinian refugees in particular. Uh, Of course, there was a kind of, uh, he he stopped funding for the PA as well, but this one is referring specifically to the United Nations Relief and Work Agency, UNRWA, which um, used to receive something, uh, uh, you know, around 300 million from the U.S., so it's it's less than that. but uh, this is a way to basically reverse um, many of the destructive uh, Trump era policies, uh, and it couldn't have come, you know, at a better time. Under in a very difficult, difficult position. So, uh, in many ways, it's a good thing. But you know, in, on a broader level, uh, I don't think you know um, it really uh, deals with the issue um, in any um, you know clear way. No, it certainly doesn't. Um, where I personally find it significant is that um, many years ago when I was doing my travels through Lebanon, I discovered that there were certain um, Palestinian refugee camps, ones called Naha al-Barid, which was completely reliant upon human uh, humanitarian aid from, hum- from the United Nations, but it did not get their flour from the United Nations. People in this particular camp would not have anything to eat. Yeah, that's right. I mean, they're just one of many. I mean, altogether, you have some. There are something like uh, five million uh, Palestinian refugees. So these are descendants from uh, the Palestinians who were um, ethnically cleansed from uh, the homeland in 1948 and then in 67 as well. So uh, they're all over the Middle East. Most are in Jordan. Then you have camps in Syria. Half a million Palestinians were in Syria, but as a result of the war, they've had to flee. So you have a situation with Palestinian refugees in particular, where they're in a cycle of uh, exile. You know, they move from one country to another. Uh, most famously, uh, you, you know, your listeners would know about what happened in Kuwait uh, after Saddam Hussein invaded. Uh, the Palestinians were very well-established uh, middle-class community, you could say, in many ways. 
but because of positions taken by the Palestinians, in many ways understandable, you know, supporting uh, Saddam Hussein, which wasn't the position of all Palestinians, but because of that, uh, Palestinians, hundreds of thousands of Palestinians uh, were, were again expe- um, expelled. So you have a situation around the Middle East where uh, nearly 5 million Palestinians are wholly reliant on the uh, UN relief uh, agency, UNRWA, for their basic food, education, uh, medical services, uh, all the basic necessities. And um, over the last decade or so, every year, uh, UNRWA has been, uh, you know, um, in a deficit. You know, the fundings have been drying out. And when Trump came in, he pulled most of the funds after the European Union. Americans are also the biggest funders. And that really um, affected UNRWA's operation from being able to provide basic assistance. Some countries uh, stepped in uh, to you know, cover for the uh, you know, huge gaping hole. Uh, you know, Qatar and a number of other countries in Europe as well um, increased their uh, donation to UNRWA. Uh, but this, this for me is... Uh, really is just him trying to reverse Trump era policy, distance himself, uh, make America look good again, put a bit more lipstick on American foreign policy with the human rights agenda, which again we'll go to probably in the third story regarding ICC. Yeah, that's a curious one. But uh, another curious story is the gag order on news relating to Prince Hamza in Jordan. What uh, I've been led to understand is that he was not happy with the current status quo and has been accused of uh, trying to organize something like a counter-coup or at the very least being extremely vociferous about the state of the play, or state of play, in uh, King Abdullah's uh, inner circle. What do you make of it? Yeah, that is a story that broke on Saturday uh, over the weekend. Um, so, and he... The, to be honest, there really isn't anything substantial to say that there was a coup, um, and what, the, what the real accounts are. But it was sufficient for for it to trigger response from the U.S., from the Saudis, from every single country around the region, and of course uh, America, as I mentioned, which shows that you know things aren't as um, as um, rosy as they may appear sometimes with regards to Jordan. Jordan always finds a way to keep a lid on many of the boiling, um, you know, um, problems in the country. Of course, there are protests, but it's nothing like what we saw during the Arab Spring. Um, so, I, I, from from what I what I know, you know, he's been cultivating uh, relationships with the tribal leaders, um, the, the base of uh, um, King Abdullah. And uh, there may have been uh, attempts to um, create uh, um, dispute, create uh, create a situation where the people rise up and protest. That could be possible. But Jordan is in a very, very difficult situation economically. Um, just reading recently, I mean, it's t- taken out a uh, bailout from the IMF. Um, it's debt to GDP, something like 110%, where it was uh, only 90% previous to that. So it's in a very bad direction, or heading in a bad direction, which means that it would become more and more reliant on the Saudis and the UAEs. And when you do that, then then you become basically voiceless. 
over issues like uh, Palestine, over issues like human rights, over issues like the Muslim Brotherhood, you know, you will find Jordan more and more taking the side of the UAE, uh, being silent on issues which it used to offer condemnation and statements with regards to Palestine, especially Masjid al-Aqsa. You'll always hear King Abdullah saying things. And even normalization with the Israelis, he would make statements about that, against that. So I think more and more as you see Jordan becoming reliant on its neighbors, going into debt, it would become more of a client state of the Saudis. I mean, who's, Jordan has always been kind of a buffer state in many ways uh, for, for a lot of these regimes. And Israel, of course, and Saudi Arabia. So it, become, it would become more of a client state, more repressive, because uh, the indications are that it's, um, it's not good. And I, I think this is a story to keep an eye on. Uh, there really isn't much to uh, say about this incident in particular, but because of the response from the international, well, I would say the, the Arab countries and the U.S., of course, who the um, Jordanians rely upon, uh, it's interesting. It's just, just to keep an eye on. Yeah, Jordan is, I think, the third highest beneficiary of U.S. aid after Israel and Egypt. And, of course, Jordan, as you've correctly said, exists in a very, very un- un- unpleasant limbo. I know they've got a huge amount of refugees in the country, particularly Iraqi and, right. and Syrian. Um, and apart from the fact that the Jordanian population at its core is Palestinian anyway. The indigenous um, DNA of that country is something like 20% of the existing population. So it really is a country that's between a rock and an interesting place. I'll put it that way. Yes, yes. It doesn't have the um, economic muscle or the resource to basically, you know, um, uh, pay itself, uh, you know, spend itself out of any kind of crisis like the Saudis and the UAEs can. So any any financial collapse uh, would mean that it becomes um, really a, um, a vassal state for many of the Gulf countries because it doesn't have the oil resource to, to you know, deal with these issues like we see with the Saudis and the UAEs. So it's, it's a very difficult situation uh, the country is in. Yeah, and of course, uh, Jordan doesn't have any recognizable industries or manufacturing sector either. It has uh, very much of an artificially inseminated economy. That's the only way I can put it. That's right. It's it's a country that really is cobbled together. Uh, It doesn't, ethnically, uh, you think, why why does there need to be a country called Jordan? There's there's no need for that. Uh, Of course, we don't want the collapse of any nation or country. We don't want that. But essentially, it's a country that's uh, created to fail in the long term. A country like many others, which is created to be uh, reliant upon its previous uh, colonial masters. Uh, so in that sense, Jordan is, is a vassal state for uh, Israel in many ways. It protects uh, Israel, it protects U.S. interest, and it doesn't have the uh, necessary um, uh, skills and the resource to be able to really stand on its feet and be a, a voice for Middle East issues of the Arab people. It, it doesn't have that. Uh, it doesn't Palestine certain issues, but really ultimately uh, the, the way it's heading, I think even on uh, grave issues to do with Masjid al-Aqsa, you'll find you know, the, the Jordanians, uh, the, the King Abdullah becoming more and more silenced. Indeed, and of course Jordan uh, are supposed to be um, the Mutawalis um, of the Waqaf, 
of Masjid al-Aqsa. But that's another program and another story. <laughs> that's right, yeah. Because we are moving on to the United States. The headline says, Lifting Sanctions of International Criminal Court. Of course, there's a huge subplot to this, isn't there? Well, of course there is, yes. Uh, I mean, on the surface, in many ways, you know, this was something that needed to be done. Um, I mean, it just wasn't a good look for the Americans. Uh, I mean, Americans has made its name by promoting, you know, the, being the custodian of human rights around the world. And there it is under the Trump era, going after the very organization which seeks to defend human rights uh, uh, on, on a global uh, global level. So it really undermined America's reputation. And it, to be honest, it was a matter of time before. Um, well, first of all, it was, it, was, it was an outrage that Trump decided to impose sanctions on the ICC, especially uh, the chief prosecutor, Fatou uh, Bansouda. Um, and and, and when, when Biden came in, uh, this was one of the many areas where he would uh, reverse the Trump era policy, and ICC uh, has welcomed that. Uh, he's lifted the sanctions, um, but ultimately, I think you know, um, through the back doors, back channels, there will be efforts to uh, block any kind of uh, investigation into Israel. Ultimately, you know, uh, it, it's a rare situation, but the U.S. is in a between rock and a hard place because, on one sense, Biden's come in with this. Uh, again, you could say it's basically uh, lipstick on, a, on an elephant. I don't know, but Biden's come in to uh, make human rights a, a, another a major agenda. Uh, so he can't be seen to be doing uh, imposing uh, sanctions on the ICC. So he has to do that. But through the back channels, I think, um, well, I, I know, for example, from what we've, what we've heard, is trying to still block any kind of investigation into Israel. Uh, so it'll find other means of uh, pursuing its uh, interest, which is to protect Israel, even if this is not the way. And it just looks bad um, uh, as a PR for, for, for the Americans. No, absolutely. And on that note, unfortunately, we have to end this week's edition of the weekly Middle East report, of course, done in conjunction with the London-based mm-hmm. Middle East Monitor. Where can you get it? 3w.middleeastmonitor.com. And the stories we spoke about today, you can read about them on the Middle East uh, Monitor. 3w.middleeastmonitor.com, Twitter handle at Middle East MNT. Don't miss it. Nasim Ahmad, as always, thanks for joining us.